afternoon church praise God it's good to have everybody um, and some of you who uh, and uh, if you're here last week you would remember that uh, it's been a bit of a tough few weeks inside the church uh, we were dealing with one of the loss of our one of our long-standing worship leaders in the Amharic uh, worship team and uh, but I really want to express our thanks from the on behalf of the leadership and on behalf of myself. Uh, we took a, an offering last uh, Sunday for the the family, and some of so many of you responded really graciously and generously. Even you didn't, many of you, many of you may not have even known the family, but you gave graciously. So I really want to thank you uh, from from the church, and it's going to go a really long way in helping uh, really give. Um, relieve some pressure off the family and uh, we as a church are sort of committed to standing not sort of we are committed to standing with the family through this process and making sure that uh, uh, that we really act as a family but we really uh, like I said it's been difficult on one front but it's also been really a lot of testimonies along the way just seeing how the church rallying together and supporting one another and supporting the family and uh, there has been some uh, I mean, God has really been gracious in through it. Amen. Uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 14, and we will be in verses 3 through 9. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, that she has done will also be told in memory of her. And here we are fulfilling that passage. Amen. But I want us to notice the contrast between the disciples' description of the event and Jesus' description of the event. On one side of the room, it is what she has done is called waste, while Jesus calls it a beautiful thing. This event is recorded in at least three of the, three of the four Gospels. Um, I say at least because the fourth, it's somewhat recorded, but people, people debate whether it's the same event or a similar but different event. But in any case, it's, it is an event that is highlighted in Scripture. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are having dinner. When a woman steps into the room, John's gospel identifies her as Mary, the sister of Lazarus, Mary comes into the room carrying an alabaster jar of a very expensive perfume. In John's gospel, it says it was a litre of nard. 
Now, by our standard of measure today, that would be over 70 ounces of perfume. Uh, to give you some context, most of your perfume bottles or cologne bottles at home contain roughly three to four ounces. This was 70, seven zero ounces. Um, so uh, normally what they would do, a person, normally a person would just take a little bit, dip their hand and run it through their hair. That's how they applied it. But Mary actually took the whole jar, which is valued at the average person's whole yearly salary, and broke the jar. By what means she broke it, it does not say, but the Bible says she broke the jar over his feet and let the perfume not pour out, but spill out over his feet and over his hair. And as the perfume spilled out of the broken jar, the house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. I want to talk to you from the subject, a beautiful mess. A beautiful mess. Uh, let's, let's just pray and then we'll go into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, that, my God, go, though the grass wither, the flower fade, your word remains forever, my God. I pray may your word go forth, my God. May, my God, your word declares, my God, that you sent your word and healed us. May that word be true in this house today, my God. My God, may it, your word, may the perfume, may the oil of your word, may the balm of the anointing of your word, my God, find the cracks and crevices of people's lives, my God, and may it bring healing and wholeness, my God, everywhere it flows. We thank you, my God, now for the potency in, the, in how relevant your word is, no matter what we face and what we're going through, my God. Your word is alive and it is true. Father God, I invite you to speak into this house, speak into every life. Though it be my mouth moving, let you be your spirit speaking into every life now. We be grateful for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in the English, uh, my title would be considered an oxymoron because it is a combination of words that contradict one another. Um, the British really have a good oxymoron. The, the, the Abba likes using it a lot, a lot awfully good. It, it's an oxymoron. You, you, either it's something's awful or it's good. It usually cannot be both things. Uh, this title also, either something is beautiful or it is a mess, generally it cannot be the same thing. Uh, but I realize that living a life of faith is also to live a life that contends with contradiction. That, um, in, in fact, during Brooke's funeral, <coughs> during the burial, there was the worship team, uh, uh, part of the worship team was uh, singing a worship song, worshiping, and the, there was a, the other group of the worship team was on the other side, and they were crying out aloud. And I was, uh, as I was watching the two together, I, I, and I looked at them, I thought to myself, isn't this the picture of what walking by faith many times looks like? Because living by faith does not mean that you don't experience pain or sorrow, but it means that as we walk through the pain, we do so with a hope and a promise that's greater than the pain. Um, and so part of you, you find that many times part of you 
is rejoicing while another part of you is weeping. Your spirit trusts, it hopes, and it rejoices while at the same time your heart is weeping and breaking. It is not really either or, but many times it's the both at the same time. Are you understanding me? Don't let anyone tell you that you uh, can't be experiencing pain and you cannot be hurting while at the same time be full of faith. Don't let anyone tell you that you cannot experience fear and faith in the same moment. That, in, in fact, uh, when Jesus was, uh, if you remember, when he went to Lazarus' house after he had passed away, in, but uh, Jesus had intended to bring him back to life, he went to the house to resurrect him. And he, 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 so he comes into the house, and the people are mourning and weeping. And when he sees the people mourning, the Bible says he sat down and wept with them. And I found that odd. Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you crying? You're there to resurrect him. He's there to resurrect. If it were me, I would think that knowing that I was there and what I was doing, what I was, why I was there, I, I would feel that I would be like, come on, guys, cheer up. It's going to be okay. Let's go to the grave. I'm going to. No, he said and wept with him. But this is the paradox of faith. It's both at the same time. And he cried with them. Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Wait, how can you be strong and weak at the same time? You're either strong or you're weak. How can you be both? I don't know. But, but Paul, Paul said, when I'm strong and weak, before his power is made perfect in weakness, welcome to the life of faith. It is a beautiful mess. And, and that's what we, especially in the Amharic service, we, we experienced last Sunday. Uh, it was more like a memorial service, but it was a beautiful mess. I mean, I, I, I mean, one part it was crying, another part it was rejoicing, it was worshiping because, I mean, we know, right? There, there's many truths that we, 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 it's ingrained in us. We know. We, we, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, we, we, we know this. We know that, that uh, uh, in fact, I mean, the, the apex of the promise of Christ, I, I know sometimes, many times we talk about the promise of paying our bills and, and this and that and all of this, but the apex of the promise of coming to Christ was not about this life, but the life that comes after. We know that. We, we know that. I know that, you know, Brooke, is, he's up there with the heavenly choir and he's, he's singing with the angels, teaching him his, he has a very unique dance that no one else has. I call it the gallop. He doesn't really dance. He sort of gallops in place. And, and, and uh, I mean, I, I just imagine he's, he's, you know, teaching Gabriel the two-step there of how to, I know, I know. But still, while you know all of this, Still, you deal with the paradox of the beautiful mess. And so, in fact, I mean, the symbol of the cross itself, the, the symbol of our faith, the symbol of our hope, uh, is a, another beautiful mess. I mean, we have done our best to try to clean up the picture. You know, we've seen those paintings where Jesus has, you know, the crown of thorns is on his head and the tiny little drop of blood. 
is going down his forehead. We've done our best to clean it up because in reality, the cross was a mess. It was a mess. It, 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 was, it, it was bloody. It was a contradiction. It was a controversy. I, I mean, the, the Bible says that Jesus, imagine the one who called himself the resurrection was now crucified. The one who was healing, healing others now was upon the cross, beaten, wounded, bloody, naked. It was a contradiction. But we also know on this side of the cross that in the end, the mess only added to the beauty. The beauty of God's love, the beauty of God's mercy, the beauty of God's grace. And so here the woman is, she, she, breaks, she breaks the jar, shards of the, of the clay everywhere upon the floor, the, the spilt perfume. She, she, has, she has done this. And the Bible says that when they saw the woman break the jar, they watched the, perf and they watched the perfume spill out. All they could cry out was, why? Why this waste? Why this waste? And you have to see this from their perspective. So much could have been done with that amount of perfume. And, and they were correct. It's, they, they said if, I mean, imagine 70 ounces of perfume spilled. And this was done, and, and, and the value a year's salary. A lot could have been done with that amount of money. I mean, meaning even if she, even if she poured out a small amount and, put, and, and anointed his feet with it, it would have been a generous demonstration of devotion. But rather than pour it out, she broke the whole jar and allowed it to spill out, and all they could cry out was, why? And we, we, we can blame them and we can talk about them, but to be honest, whenever we encounter brokenness and loss in our life, that's what we want to know, right? Why? Oh, don't look at me like that. We all entertain the question, why? You lose your job, why? The contract did not get renewed, why? You believed in the person past, why? The questions, the questions, the question. We want to know why. It's the, it, we, no matter, it's just our human instinct. There is a part of our minds and where our brains are wired. We seek reason. Why this waste? Why did the jar have to break? Why allow his years to spill out? There is so much that could have been done and accomplished. Uh, that he. Why, why now? Why did it have to happen like this? We want a reason. Am I the only one who's ever thought and looked for a reason? Why am I going through this? Am I experiencing this brokenness because I, of something I did? Am I experiencing the brokenness of something because of something I didn't do? Is this God or is this the enemy? Is this faith 
or is this foolish, foolishness? And, and, and really for me, I, I tend to be a very analytical thinker. I, I, like, I like thinking. I, I, love, I, I like the sitting and thinking and thinking about things and thinking of solutions. I'm, I'm a bit analytical in the way that I think. So probably I, more than others, want to know the reason for things. But the problem is I found that especially with God and especially with situations like this, Finding the reason, finding the why of things is an almost impossible thing to grasp. And, and that's challenging because I remember when I was younger in ministry, I used to want, especially when, I, when things like this used to happen, I used to try to tell, like, give an explanation or give a reason why this is happening to them and, and why they should trust God. And, and I found myself that, that really these questions of the question of why is really beyond my pay grade. I would love to say that I'm very spiritual and I'm very knowledgeable and I got all the answers, but this one, I cannot tell you why. In fact, Joseph, uh, if you remember, he said to his brothers when when he had revealed himself to his brothers and they were worried that he would take revenge about, over what he had, the brothers had done to him, he said something to them and he said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Wait a second. So which is it? Is it evil or is it good? Because those are very two different things. Evil and good are very two different things. They're opposed to one another. So which is it, evil or is it good? Is it God or is it the enemy? Is it, is it people or is it the enemy? Well, that's the thing. It might just be all of it. It's not either or. Many times it's a complicated mixture of all of it. In fact, for that matter, what, what was Joseph doing bragging to his brothers about the dream? So he had a little part to play in it too. So, so which was it? Was it evil? Was it good? Was it God? Was it the enemy? Was it people? It was all of it. It was all of it. So where do you trace down Why? Where did one begin and the other end? I don't know. I just know God is faithful no matter what the reason is. That's what you see from this passage. He's faithful despite the reason. Do you remember how the angel came to Gideon? And this, if you're taking notes, this is in Judges chapter 6, verse number 11. The angel came to Gideon, and Gideon was in the wine press threshing wheat. He was not in the wine press making wine. He was in the wine press threshing wheat. And the reason he was in the wine press threshing wheat is because when the time would come for the Israelites to gather in the crops, the Midianites would come and they would burn and plunder what they had gathered. And it was a strategy to make them starve. And so in desperation, instead of threshing wheat at the threshing floor, where it was de where a place where it was designed for him to thresh wheat, he found himself threshing the wheat in the wine press, was not, which was not designed or created for him to thresh wheat. I have to imagine it was a very complicated thing for him to figure out. It's a confined space. 
It was not designed for this. But in desperation, here he is threshing wheat in the wine press. And what I'm trying to get to, what I'm trying to communicate is that sometimes life will drive you to strange places. Sometimes life will drive you to places of contradiction, places of confusions, places where you did not expect to be. You did not plan on being in the winepress threshing weed. This is not the way the things were supposed to go. You didn't plan on being in the position that you are in right now. You didn't plan, to ex you didn't plan or expect to lose that person. You didn't plan or expect to lose that job. You didn't plan or expect that your marriage would be in trouble when it is right now. You didn't expect that you would still be single right now. You didn't, I, I'm trying to find a home for somebody in this place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You didn't expect for the person to change the way that they changed on you when they changed on you. You didn't expect to be in the storm that you're in right now. Has anyone ever been stuck in the wine press of confusion? That is a rhetorical question. If you did not answer yes to that question, either you are too young or you have a lying spirit. <laughs> are you understanding me? We have all been in those places, those places where you're asking why, those places of confusion, those places of contradiction, those places where it did not end up the way that you thought it was going to end up. It did not end up the way that you believed it was, was, was believing for. We've all been there. Now, since you're quiet on me, for the people <laughs> who are honest, I have a word for you in your wine press. Because Gideon, while he was hiding in the winepress, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you. Let me tell you something. That is a testimony all by itself. The Lord is with you. You may not know the why of where you are, but I'm here to reveal the who is with you in it. The Lord is with you. I know you would have never imagined that God would be anywhere near what you're going through right now. I know you may not be able to feel him. I know that you may not be able to see him. But I'm here to declare to you the Lord is with you. Help me preach to your neighbor and tell them the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you in the contradiction, in the doubt, in the fear, in the mess, in your weakness. While you're doubting that he is there, he is with you. I love that. I love that. God told Gideon this while he himself was even doubting he was there. God is not even afraid of your doubt. God is with you whether you acknowledge him there or not. He's never leaving you nor forsaken you. The Lord is with you. God is more faithful to you than you are to him. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? 
We, we talk a lot about Israel's wandering in the wilderness and how they left God and how they doubted God. But we, we never really sometimes talk about that, that all those 40 years, while they were wandering in the wilderness, God never left them. He was still the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. All through the wilderness while they were wandering, confused, didn't know where they were going or when they were going to get there. God was still with them. Help me tell your neighbors that he hasn't left you. Yeah, 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 he hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. The Lord is with you. Not going to be with you. He's with you right where you are. In the midst of the darkness, he's with you. That's good. God says, even when, it, when it's dark outside, I'll be the pillar of fire by night. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what the condition is, the Lord is with thee. Hallelujah. No wonder David said in the Psalms 139, he says, where can I go from your spirit? <laughs> or where can I flee from your presence? Even the darkness can't hide me from you. No matter what I go through, I can be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And David said, there you are with me. Your rod and your stance comforts me. The Lord is with me. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm walking in, the Lord is with thee. Right there. In the middle of the mess. Don't you think, don't you bless, you should praise God that you serve a God who's not afraid to walk through your mess. Walk through your darkness. While you're, while you're in the marriage trouble, while there's all hell is breaking out in your house. You don't even know it, but the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Hallelujah. The Lord is with you. But Gideon said in verse 13 of 6, he said, well... If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Don't blame Gideon. How many times have you said the same question in your own heart? The Lord is with us. Then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? How he delivered them from Egypt and how he opened the Red Sea and how he caused manna to come from heaven and, and all, all of that. He, he, it's interesting here because, because here Gideon is, Gideon is, he starts preaching to the angel. He starts testifying of all that God has done. He knows. He knows, he, he knows, he said, I, I, I know we, we, he, he opened the sea, he, he delivered us from Egypt, he, he brought the heel to, to Pharaoh, he, he, he did all these signs and wonders. He starts testifying about all these huge things, these huge things God has done in the background of their lives. He knows of God's faithfulness of the past, but yet somehow what Gideon is going through here and now in the present, is eclipsing all that God has done in the past. Now, what's interesting about uh, natural eclipses or solar eclipses is how the moon can totally eclipse and cover the sun. You, you have my picture? It's how the moon will totally eclipse the sun, even though the moon 
is 400 times smaller, or, the, or, I, should, or I reverse it to say, for the, even though that the sun is 400 times bigger than the moon. Yeah, you see that small dot in the center? That is the size of the earth compared to the sun. And that little tiny speck next to it, that little tiny speck next to it, you see, you see this little tiny? I don't know. It, it has an arrow because it might, you might think it's a piece of dust on your screen. But there's a little tiny speck. That's the moon compared to the sun. Yet while you're here on earth, that little tiny speck can eclipse the whole sun. The only reason why that's possible is because the moon is closer to the earth than the sun is. And because of its proximity and closeness to the earth, the moon looks bigger in context to the sun than it really is. What I'm trying to tell you is that the only reason today's trouble looks as big as it does is because it's near you. It's close to you. But its size is an illusion. That when you compare it, when you compare it to the testimony of all that God has done, of all that God has shown you, all of his faithfulness he has shown you in his life, all the history of what he has done in your life, all his faithfulness, all his promises, how he rescued you, how he picked you up. When you look at it, all the greatness and the vastness, when you put it next to it, it's a tiny speck. What I'm trying to tell you is don't allow the, today's trouble to eclipse all of God's faithfulness of who he has shown himself to be in your life. Because it's funny how sometimes we can allow the wine press of today, that small time, that's what Gideon was doing, that one wine press that he was in today, he allowed that small wine press to eclipse all that God has done, all the history of what God has done in his life. Don't allow the enemy to use today's trouble to eclipse all the history and the testimony of all that God has done in your life. Are you understanding me? And so, this is where I really want us to plug in. Keep my picture up there. Because Gideon asked, if God is with us, then why? But what I found powerful is that when Gideon asked why, God didn't give him a reason. And in fact, can I say something? If you really look at the real context of what Gideon was asking, he had really no room to even complain. Because the reason they were in what they were in is because they, the Bible said they had done evil in the sight. In other words, this is something of their own doing a bit. All right? 
And sometimes we go through stuff that's all of our own doing. But what I love about that is, and God is more gracious maybe than I would be. He doesn't even go there. He doesn't even, if it were me, I'd say, I'd say, like, well, you want to play the blame game, huh? Well, let me tell you <laughs> why, why you're walking through and going through because you're hard-headed. And <laughs> Are you <laughs> That's the reason we're not God because we, we <laughs> God doesn't even go there. He doesn't even go there. doesn't give the reason at all. Because God knows that sometimes reason, the question of why, reason is unproductive. It will not take you where you need to go. Are you understanding me? And what happened was that instead of giving Gideon a reason for what happened, instead God gave Gideon a revelation of what he was about to do. Because what, what was going to pull him out of the wine press, pull him out of the confusion, pull him out of the contradiction was not a reason, but a revelation. Tell your neighbor and say, tell them what you need is a revelation. What I'm trying to put into your spirit is that sometimes God will not, in fact, most of the time, God will not give you a reason, but he will give you a revelation. He will give you a revelation of who he is in your life. That's what, God, that's what God was doing with Gideon. The Bible says the angel appeared to him. He revealed himself to him and said, the Lord is with thee. In other words, this is who I am in your life. I am faithful no matter what you are going through, no matter what you're in, no matter, what you, no matter who's the blame and what reason God, that got you here. I am God in your life. I am present in this place. I am with you. And don't allow the reason to eclipse your revelation of who God is in your life. See, if you're not careful, you will get stuck in what I call, you know, Gideon was in the wine press, but he was not only in the wine press, he was in the why press. The why press. Gideon was not just stuck in the wine press, he was stuck in the why press. In fact, uh, um, it's interesting. He, he, was like, he was asking the question, why, if God is with us, why? An angel just appeared to you, Gideon. Rewind. Think about this. An angel appeared to him and said, the Lord is with thee. And then he asked, why, if, why, if God is with He's right there. He sent an angel. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But the why press, <laughs> the why press, see, see sometimes you, you can get stuck in the why, why press. And you can tell th that this is a rehearsed conversation in his mind. Right? Because he didn't waste a breath. He didn't have to think about it. You can tell this was a narrative that's gone on in his mind over and over and over again. He has rehearsed this conversation. He's got it down to the T. He, he saw the angel and didn't stutter, said his lies. This is a conversation he's re rehearsed. And this is the problem because the longer you stay upon the question why, you can begin to get stuck in the why. 
I was telling the earlier congregation how about, I think a couple weeks ago, we went out and planted trees with everybody else in the country, and it, it, was, it, was, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. We were on this hillside, and, and, and there were ants there. Yeah, it, it was... It was and, 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 and you know, I don't know how they make it, they make it places. That's all I'm going to say. They're quick, too. Quick. <laughs> and, and, and also, it was raining, and so you got to places where, where, where it, it, you know, the, the rain was so saturated in the ground, the mud was so thick, and especially for someone my size, if you stayed in one place too long... My, my, my feet started to disappear in, in, in the mud, and I, at one point I, I, w- I was standing there, and, and I, was going to, I was going to move, and all of a sudden, and you know, that, 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 that's some thick mud. If, if, I can't, if I can't move out of it, <laughs> that's some thick mud, and, and, and I was trying to lift my foot, and my shoe almost came off. I had to hold my shoe as I lifted my foot to, to, to get it out, and, and because, the, because the longer you stay in one place, the more you begin to sink and get stuck. And what I'm trying to tell you is the longer you stay in the question why, the long, you're, you're, you're going to begin to sink in that question. And the longer you stay in it, the harder it is going to become to pull yourself out of it. And that, so that even when God sends you a revelation and God sends you a word and he tries to send you help. You're not willing to move out from it. You begin to get stuck inside of it. And I, and, and, and I, and I soon found that the, the, the trick is you got to keep your feet moving. You got to keep your feet moving. I understand why now Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, straining towards ahead, what's ahead of me, because if I keep my foot moving, if I keep my spirit moving, if I keep my mind moving, if I keep my heart moving forward, because if I stay in the same place and I stay in the same questions and I stick in this question why, I'm going to begin to sink in it. The, the thing I have to do is keep myself moving, keep my heart moving towards what he has for me. And that's why God did not give Gideon a reason. He gave him a revelation of what is ahead of him because he said, if I give you the reason, you'll stay stuck where you are, it will not be productive in getting you out of this place, out of this contradiction, out of this confusion. I know your mind thinks if you know why, you can get yourself out, but I'm telling you, knowing why will not help you, you need to embrace the revelation of where God wants to take you. You have to embrace embrace revelation. Tell your neighbor and tell them you need the revelation. The why press will keep you stuck in bitterness. In fact, if you if you go back to the passage we were talking that we were talking about earlier, when they were asking why, the Bible says they were indignant. Means they were mad. They were bitter. And that's what the question that's where the question will lead. That's where why leads. All it leads is to bitterness. It doesn't lead you forward. It just keeps you stuck there and bitter and angry. That's when, and you get this tone from Gideon. He's talking to an angel of the Lord. <laughs> and he's just, he's that question, and the longer he stayed in it, the bitter he became. And, and what I'm trying to get into your spirit is that you need 
to leave the why alone. You need to leave the why. It's, it's a point of decision. Everybody say decision. Everything boils down to a decision. God can show up. He can appear to you. But at some point, you have to make a decision. The angel cannot make the decision for you. He can give you the revelation, but he cannot make the decision. You have to make the decision whether you're going to stay with the why or go with the revelation. I said something powerful there, and I hope you didn't miss it. You have to make a decision whether you're going to stay with the why or go with the revelation. Are you hearing me? But, but if you can go with the revelation, God has a revelation that will bring beauty out of your mess, bring wine out of your sorrow, bring strength out of your brokenness. He will turn the wine press and turn it into wine press. And the wine press is powerful because the wine press is a place of conversion. And, and if you would learn, to, if you would just embrace the revelation, God will turn that place that you're in and turn it into a wine press and begin to convert your mess and convert those questions and convert all what you've been through and convert it to strength in your weakness, convert it to deliverance, convert it to admission. And this is the thing. Earlier when we were talking about Mary and how she broke the alabaster jar and they're all, we're indignant Why? It was an offense to them. They, they, they were just imagining all that they could have done with it. And, and Jesus said to them, leave her alone. And more than just leave her alone, I, I, I hear leave the question alone. Leave the why alone. Because what's happening is you're missing... Because, she, because Jesus said something interesting. He said what she's doing, she's, she's preparing, the, the, she's anointing my body for burial. In other words, what she is doing is, a, is connected to what I'm about to do. And because just as the jar was broken, so am I going to be broken. And something is going to come out of my brokenness. Something, a perfume is going to flow out. Salvation is going to flow out. Deliverance is going to pour out. A perfume is going to flow out. Beauty is going to flow out of the mess. You may see a mess initially, but something is going to flow out of the mess that leaves a fragrance for the whole world, that leaves the gospel for the whole world, the gospel of God's salvation, the gospel of God's mercy, the gospel of God's grace. The aroma is going to fill the earth, and, and, the, and the vessel has to be broken in order for the perfume to be not just poured out but spilled out. It's, I'm giving you a revelation, and you're missing the revelation because you're stuck in the question of why. But if you can leave why alone, you can grasp the revelation of what I'm about to do, and I can begin to bring something beautiful out of your mess. Don't allow, don't allow the mess to eclipse the revelation of who God is in your life. Who has shown himself to be in your life. I know, I know it's, you know, you know, preaching it sometimes is easy, but, I, you know, we're all walking through stuff right, right now, but, but it, it, it's hard, but it's small compared to, you have to put it in right perspective. Are you hearing what I'm, if you go by the first picture, it's difficult, it's huge, but if you go by the second picture, it puts, and all I'm saying is, you need to put it in its right place. When you put it in its right place, 
the testimony of what God has done will swallow up what the enemy is trying to do and trying to tell you in your life right now. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor and say, tell them it may be a mess, but it's a beautiful mess. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the graciousness you've shown. My God, I thank you that you have not left us without a testimony. You feel the background of our life, my God, with the countless acts of your faithfulness, of your goodness. I pray right now, Father God, may the pieces of all of your faithfulness come back together until, my God, that testimony shines like the sun. Right in the midst of the darkness, my God, may that sun shine. May that sun shine. You know what I love is that even in that picture of that total eclipse, on the outer rings, it still could fully silence the testimony. It's funny how that no matter how hard the enemy tries, he fully can't silence the testimony of God's brilliance. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. I pray, my God, your word says that your truth would liberate. My God, may this truth liberate hearts right now, Father God. May it liberate them from bitterness. May it liberate them, my God, from the question of why. My God, I pray that you would lift them up, my God. Lift them up out of the wine press, out of the sorrow, out of the confusion, out of the contradiction. And set their feet, my God, upon the truth of your love, the truth of your faithfulness, the truth of your goodness. We thank you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.